0: the cloud has enabled a large variety of software and software enabled infrastructure options for application development. It's hard to get lost in the variety of shapes and sizes of offerings available, ECS, EKS, Lambda, Fargate, Azure Functions, Google Cloud Containers. IT complexity is a real issue. And this means we need better tools to help us simplify our complex cloud infrastructure options. Today I'm going to talk to the CTO of a company that is trying to solve this exact problem. Are you ready? Let's go.
1: This is the Modern Digital Business Podcast, the
0: technical leader's guide to modernizing your applications and digital business. Whether you're a business technology leader or a small business innovator, keeping up with the digital business revolution is a must. Here to help make it easier with actionable insights and recommendations, as well as thoughtful interviews with industry experts, Lee Atchison. The cloud has enabled a large variety of software and software enabled infrastructure options for application development. Containers, orchestration, microservices, functions as a service are all available in a variety of shapes and sizes, from ECS, EKS, Lambda, Fargate, Cloud Functions, Azure Azure Functions, Google Cloud Containers. Many of these are novel. Many are just different implementations of the same basic ideas. But in any respect, it's easy to get lost in the maze of choices, variations, and configurations. Nitric is a cloud-native application framework that's taking the strategy of trying to hide this complexity of infrastructure selection. Tim Holm is the CTO and co-founder of Nitric, and he's my guest today. Hi, Tim, and welcome to Modern Digital Business.
1: Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me.
0: So we've seen many options for managing complex cloud infrastructures, you know, from code and code-like descriptions, you know, Terraform, CloudFormation, those sorts of things. And certainly infrastructure as code is a growing trend in cloud
1: application management.
0: What does Nitric provide over these basic infrastructure as code options?
1: So Nitric is built on a concept known as infrastructure from code. So I personally am a huge fan of infrastructure as code, and it's something I use every single day. But what infrastructure from code is bringing is a new layer on top of infrastructure as code that helps reduce the cognitive load for cloud developers having to manage both infrastructure, like all their infrastructure as code, which is essentially, at scale, turns into an application that enables your business application to live in the cloud. So developers or DevOps teams generally have to manage two applications, one for delivering value for their business and one for enabling delivering that value. And what Infrastructure Um, from Code as a concept is trying to do is bring a way of building applications such that at deploy time, your platform or internal developer um, platform or deployment engine can automatically provision the infrastructure required for your application to run from just your application code. So it allows developers to focus purely on delivering value for their business and the business logic of their applications.
0: Rather than having to develop an application or a service or whatever, along with the in, the description of the infrastructure necessary to run that application, what you try and do is deduce that infrastructure from the application itself and build an appropriate infrastructure for them.
1: Exactly, by introducing uh, cloud-native primitives into the application code that describe how the application intends to use that infrastructure. So a very sort of outcome-focused form of engineering.
0: Okay, so this is essentially tags within the application code that describe intent. Is that how that works? Or, or how, get a little bit more more involved here. How, how do you deduce from the code, what the, uh, type of infrastructure you
1: need? So, every infrastructure from code product I've seen does things differently. So there's a lot of emerging technologies in this space. Um, some will use like code introspection, so they'll they'll dedicate themselves to servicing a single language, um, and do things like read tags, comments, um, or decorators, trying to use that. Nitric is a little bit different in that respect. Um, we actually have defined a contract for defining this infrastructure um, using protocol buffers and gRPC. So what we do is, well, it's a completely polyglot solution and we use network communication. And during deploy time, we actually swap out the serv- our runtime service to interpret what the application is intending to do. So a good example of this might be you'll have two services and they're both trying to read and write from a queue. So we'll have service A in this instance needs to push messages onto a queue and service B needs to read messages. In Nitric, what we'll do is each service will actually declare a queue of the same name, but service A will only allow itself to write to that queue and service B will only allow itself to read from that queue all in code. And our deployment engine will interpret that and be able to deploy that infrastructure with um, least privilege out of the box as well. So we capture not only the infrastructure required, but how that's intended to be used at runtime.
0: And so you do that from uh, the protocol buffer definition of the communication to the queue. Exactly. And does that also work for uh, the service to, for instance, the data store um, uh, communication, or is it just inter-service communication?
1: So we have an implementation within Nitric that uses um, cloud-native collection solutions. So, for example, we have an abstraction over DynamoDB or Google Cloud Firestore that we've implemented that allow that can allow services to share data if we if we'd like. But um, if we're looking at inter-service communication, probably our strongest concept in that space is being able to implement topics. So we have a pub sub abstraction that you would use to orchestrate or choreograph service into service communication. If that makes sense.
0: So basically, uh, the you you are very you provided an opinionated approach to service development that by following this structure, um, you know protocol buffers, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and using Dynodb for the database, et cetera. You make assumptions about what the services are going to do and build the infrastructure out of that.
1: Correct. And that's, um, that's via a a deployment engine that we provide out of the box. And we have one provider for each of the major clouds at the moment. So we have GCP, AWS and Azure. Um, But that's not to say that that could not be extended as well. So there's nothing stopping, like all our, all our technology is open source and our framework is entirely open source. So a, someone looking to build their own platform on top of this same uh, uh, definition could actually build their own cloud or, or internal developer platform using that same language.
0: So, so it sounds like this mechanism can also handle certain types of confi- of service configuration too. Like, for instance, uh, staging environments versus production environments, etc. We support
1: a concept known as stacks. So, for a single project, you can you can deploy multiple stacks for that project with differing configuration. But um, setting up got like it, development, staging, it. and production environments separately is absolutely something we can do.
0: This is trying to reduce the complexity of the application deployment process, the application development process, the application infrastructure process, all of that. It's all about reducing the complexity of the system. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. So part of a part of the reason like myself and my, my co-founder started Nitric was from frustration in dealing with an internal development platform at the organization we were working with at the time and the complexity that you that you're mentioning there. And part of our frustration was the way that complexity was handled in that internal developer platform was by just very harshly reducing the capabilities of the platform, and providing an incredibly rigid opinion about what it means to deploy an application or service to the cloud. Um, And that meant restrictions on the features we were able to develop. And there was kind of a strong lack of cohesion between what it meant to build the application and what it meant to deploy the application. So there wasn't a clear definition of how to access, uh, like inter-service communication, for example. So how do we get our service to communicate with the services of other teams and no clearly defined contract? um, And what we found with that is when we needed features to be developed in order to make these things happen is there's a single team doing the platform engineering for this so the agility around that was quite slow um, and having to communicate these requirements to them via a ticketing system or slack or email um, there was quite a bit of fragility in that communication So when it came to building and designing Nitric, we wanted a way to remove those overheads and be able to have a framework that allowed an application to express those needs as part of its logic.
0: One of the problems you've ever seen with uh, with the traditional ways of solving IT complexity is it puts too much rigidity on the assumptions that you can make in order to reduce the complexity of a system. You, you apply opinionated rules so severely that you limit the ability of developers to develop. You, you, you limit what they're able to do. And that your hope with this is that, you, while it's still an opinionated platform, it still provides enough um, flexibility to allow innovation without increasing complexity.
1: Yeah, not just uh, not increasing complexity as well, but still giving, um, like having the flexibility to give platform teams to implement those strong opinions while still satisfying the outcomes of application developer teams um, without compromising things like principles of least privilege um, and security and the ability to audit and implement uh, strong governance in infrastructure as well. So the ability to do both increase flexibility, but still maintain like like high security, high governance system.
0: I wish we would have had this conversation a, a couple of months ago. I I just am finishing my next O'Reilly book. It's being printed and all that good stuff. Um, but it's called Overcoming IT Complexity, and it talks a lot about these sorts of topics. And I would have loved to have talked about uh, Nitric in that, <laughs> but uh, um, well, maybe maybe a, a, an updated version later on. But um, but yeah, a, a lot of the things that we were talking about here is are, are topics that you know, many companies are dealing with and trying to solve. So um, what sort of uh, response have you received from people as you talk through what your platform does? Well, what are some of the things that um, they like about the platform that you think it's, they think is solving their problems? and what are, what are some of the things that they that don't work well in those
1: environments? That's a great question. Um, the reason I say it's great is we're still working out our messaging and still doing a lot of message testing with audiences. Um, the things they like, uh, obviously, is the simplicity and being able to build their application without having to directly deal with, say, an infrastructure from code tool and, um, and maintain that split between their deployment and their application logic. Um, some of the challenges we faced is. A lot of people, um, especially with our out-of-the-box abstractions for the three big clouds, um, are concerned around lowest common denominator implementation. So they might say, there's this particular feature in AWS I'd really like to leverage um, in SNS or SQS, but I know that PubSub in Google Cloud doesn't support that, so what's your solution to that problem? Um, Do I just have to do without that feature Um, because you can't have it in both clouds?
0: that's a classic multi-cloud problem is uh is do you do the least common denominator approach or do you you know do you do more of a poly cloud where you use the features of one service but then that makes it not uh, uh, portable to another service so are, are these customers that are wanting to take advantage of these additional features you know there, there's kind of two different customers of multi-cloud uh, there's the customer who wants to make sure their application will run just fine on Amazon, on uh, Google, and on Azure, just because they wanna have the flexibility to be able to move the application wherever they want to. They don't want a vendor vendor tie-in. And then there's people who use multi-cloud because they wanna use the AI capabilities of Google and the storage capabilities of Amazon and the Windows capabilities of Azure or whatever. And so they build their application to leverage the advantages from each of the different cloud providers. Those are really two different types of multi-cloud customers. Um, are, are you seeing more uptake in, in your customers that you talk to in in the uh, uniqueness of the cloud or the commonality of the cloud?
1: Primarily, what we're targeting with Nitric would be um, would be the first one. So, customers looking for commonality um, or like concerned with commonality in the cloud and looking to deliver where their customers would like them to be in a lot of cases. So they'll be deploying applications and services either on their customers' clouds or being able to cooperate or co-locate with uh, existing customer services that they have. So they'll be deploying their own SaaS applications um, in a managed SaaS format in a lot of cases, and they need to be able to co-locate that with their customer services that they'll be integrating with. For that second use case where we, we've seen people looking for best of breed technologies across clouds, um, that's something we look we're looking to target. Um, our platforms well our frameworks highly pluggable. so as I mentioned before, it's possible to extend it to build your own internal developer platform. So that's something we definitely could target um, but not something we've been actively going after. So, what about hybrid clouds
0: and those uh, who have part of their application in their own data center and part of it in the cloud? Do you do you extend into their own data center as well, or do you are you entirely focused on cloud solutions?
1: Currently, entirely focused on cloud and cloud native solutions. So, we don't have an existing story for hybrid cloud, but it's definitely something we've been looking at and doing some more research into.
0: That that makes sense. Um, yeah, and i that's certainly the clients that I run into. I'm seeing, you know, multi-cloud is growing in popularity for either one of those two reasons we talked about, but hybrid cloud has really been decreasing in popularity. And hybrid cloud as a term step of migrating to the cloud, yes, but as a long-term strategy, no, I, I don't see a lot of it with some exceptions. And for instance, in banking and healthcare, you see some, Large um, you know, mainframe-based applications that still have to exist, and but those sorts of, of examples aside, I'm, I'm seeing more and more people um, say they want to do hybrid, but actually
1: not truly going in the direction of hybrid. It's incredibly complex, and so, the, the total cost of ownership of maintaining an application in the public cloud and exactly. on your own infrastructure is <laughs> absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it's a good way to get the disadvantages of all solutions and none of the advantages. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I also hear a lot, you're, you're talking cloud native applications, and that's definitely your focus. So We're talking microservice architectures, simple services, that sort of, of mindset. What about monoliths? Um, is there a, a use in your space for monoliths, or do you really direct people or tell people you know, look at using Nitric when you talk about moving to for, for the services that make up your application, not the monoliths to make up your, your overall application set. What do you do with monoliths? I
1: personally am a huge fan of monolithic application development when it's just so easy to reason about. Um, and while you will run into problems um, at scale later, you can go a really, really long way with traditional MVC frameworks and applications. So that's something we thought about like upfront when trying to build Nitrix, looking at people who have existing applications and who are looking to renovate a monolith into a set of microservices, but aren't quite ready to make that leap. So everything we have is set up to be able to handle and communicate with an existing application where developers can get their existing application code, start introducing some of those cloud native concepts and slowly pull apart, like almost a strangle of pattern style, bringing those cloud native concepts into their applications. They slowly break it apart, but being able to deploy it with Nitric at the same time. So one of the reasons we wanted to use, like we'll build an infrastructure from code framework is it's very easy to bring these new concepts into your existing frameworks because you can simply declare them as part of your application logic. You can say, "I would like to add a topic um, of this name to my application," and now I'm going to take a small part of my monolith and break it out into a separate service, and we're going to get them to start communicating using that topic. That's
0: actually great because I I do see a lot of that where people want to move to services, but they're they're not quite there yet. And they're in the process of moving, they're thinking about moving, they're doing all new development in microservices, but they still have their monoliths to deal with. Are you looking to become an architect? Or perhaps you are looking to learn how to drive your organization towards better utilization of the cloud. I have a whole series of cloud and architecture courses available on LinkedIn Learning. For more information on the courses I have available, please go to LeeAcheson.com slash courses or click the link in the show notes. So who are your competitors? Do you consider companies like Terraform and CloudFormation competitive products or are they more like tools that you use? And, and if the latter, then who are your competitors?
1: So Terraform is an example and, um, and Pulumi is actually the one we do use. Um, We're a consumer, massive consumer of those products um, because we're building a layer on what they've already done. And if I had to go and do all that work again, uh, that'd be an absolute mess. So what infrastructure as code enables us to do is um, make our deployment engines living documentation for each of the clouds we deliver to and gives us all kinds of features we can then hand on to consumers of Nitric Many of them are targeting single languages um, and they have different a different approach from the way Nitric is taking things where they'll use language introspection and um, and much tighter language integration to achieve their infrastructure from code. Whereas I think a differentiator for Nitric is that we've um, tried to do something polyglot because we know it's hard to source skills in a specific language when you may have a, a skill pool that it's very broadly support, like, like you might have access to Java developers or go developers, you might not get to choose to sh- like lift and shift to an entirely new language.
0: What are your plans for the future as this grows and expands? you've, you um, obviously envision this to be a very large market at some point in time as the uh, infrastructure from code model matures. So what are your plans for the future?
1: so early stage um, and a lot of these companies emerging in this space are like targeting startups and people looking to develop new applications but i have a vision for infrastructure from code that can service enterprise and large organizations by being able to like as as i was saying before bring more cohesion to how DevOps uh, works with delivering business applications. So in my experience, a lot of large enterprises, when they're going down the DevOps route, they usually end up with a DevOps team um, rather than the more traditional multidisciplinary team for DevOps. Because doing governance in that environment is very challenging, and having a single team with oversight over how all well applications are delivered in the cloud is—it's just much easier to manage from a security and, and compliance perspective. Um, I would like to—I'd like to see Nitric evolve into something that can bridge the gap between how internal developer platforms are built by those teams and how application developers express their infrastructure needs on those platforms, huh. your experience. Um, and I've, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts and, and talking about DevOps. Um, with companies that you've consulted with, how how do you find that they're structuring their teams and how they're delivering applications in the cloud?
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of companies that um, are still doing the you know, look, we're doing DevOps. See, we have a DevOps team over there. Therefore we're doing DevOps. You know, and that's, that mindset is still very prevalent, unfortunately. Um, I think it doesn't take much to say, that's not a good idea. That's not gonna work for you because usually by the time you're talking to them, they already see that that's not working. It's it's But usually what happens is they, they try that model and find it isn't really solving any of their problems. And they're saying, well, what's so big about DevOps? It's not working. And when you approach them and say, well, that's because that's not yeah. DevOps. Um, let's talk about what DevOps is. They usually come across pretty pretty clearly, pretty quickly what they need to do. They might have a hard time. They might struggle with how to build the organization the correct way, so DevOps is a true practice, and that's a management challenge as much as anything. But they usually will see that mistake pretty quickly. But it's amazing, though, how many companies still that you come to start out with DevOps by having the DevOps team over in the corner and uh, claiming we do DevOps and going from there. Um, you know, it's you see a little bit of that with uh, cloud native as well, but it's a very... It, different thing. I mean, you see cloud centers of excellence and that sort of model, and those can work very effectively. But you don't, you really can't do a DevOps center of excellence as well, you, you really have to have it ingrained in the organization and distributed throughout the company before it really takes effect, right? It's, it's a hard thing just to increment into. Or to or to have it in a corner and have it affect the company, and so it's your goal. If your direction is a tool that helps drive that transformation, that's great. I'm not sure if there is such a tool, but or if there will be such a tool that can do that easily. But if there is, that would be a great um, uh, great capability to have available.
1: Yeah, I suppose like in terms of where that's driving, um, I think with the DevOps um, and like. Organizations saying, yeah, we do DevOps, we have a DevOps team, um, as opposed to um, a more pure approach to DevOps, where every team is enabled to do what they need to do to deliver their applications. And it's highly multidisciplinary. Um, Because that approach, um, in my experience, also has its own problems.
0: One big problem with that approach is, uh, using a consistent set of tooling and the training it takes for that team to have that level of responsibility. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's a big problem. And so that's why you do need you know, these, you know, from the cloud standpoint, the center, center of excellence model helps with that, but there isn't yet a, an easy way to do that with the DevOps model.
1: Yeah. And I feel like the logical conclusion, um, especially when you get to that cloud center of excellence stage is, ends up being platform engineering. So a lot of teams, at least in my experience, decide that they need to build a platform um, to make to, to bring agility to delivering their applications. Um, I don't know if that's been your experience, but essentially,
0: Yeah, I've seen that. And that that does work. You're right, that does work. But again, that's one of those trade offs for IT complexity, <clears throat> right? You know, a platform uh, can limit innovation, But um, ease uh, complexity burdens, and so that's that's a good combination maybe. But it can, you know, they what the the problem tends to be if, you know, the the platform is the least common denominator and it satisfies ninety percent of the needs, the ten percent become the big problem.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and that's exactly what I've seen as well, and. that's a, that's uh, as I mentioned before. where Part of the frustration and the the building of Nitric came from was that ten percent <laughs> that was missing and yeah, trying to fill yeah, I can gap see that gap. Precisely
0: you mentioned uh, earlier the the connection with uh, SQS has this additional option that the uh, cloud that uh, the Google Queue doesn't have, um, and and that's part of the ten percent. But it's also the the um, you know the we're, we'll build an infrastructure that handles most needs, but uh, someone has this great idea, but they don't know how to implement it on the platform, yeah. um, and that's the exact same problem, but it's an internal problem to the company instead of a
1: tool problem with the cloud vendor. Yeah, exactly, and that's um, yeah, that's kind of the gap we're trying to address. Right. Whether or not we're so, doing that the right way, yeah.
0: Okay, so that's an that's an interesting take. I hadn't thought of. I so I was thinking of. Of Nitric is a tool to assist the use of cl- the cloud in a less complex manner, but it sounds like it's also a tool for helping to build a platform internal to your company.
1: That's that's, um, or at least that's the
0: direction you want to go.
1: Part of the vision, yeah. So like we, the providers that we've built for are essentially that style of platform, like providing that opinion. For the infrastructure, but underpinned by a cloud-native language, um, but okay. being able to provide that flexibility and opinion for how organisations can craft or build their own clouds is where I'd like to see this go in the future. Um, we're not quite there yet, Got but it. that's where I'd like to see us grow into.
0: It's a different take than I'd gotten initially, so that's good. So yeah, because that's that is a, a huge. Uh, when, especially in, in uh, well, not as much, um, I won't say the uh, enterprise space, but the, the the medium size of the SMB business, right? The companies that are large enough to matter, but not quite large enterprises yet. And those companies are companies that um, need the ability to build a common platform or else they're gonna suffer huge complexity issues, but don't necessarily have the resources in order to build that platform. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Tim. That was great. Especially that last little part of the conversation. I appreciate that. So my guest today has been Tim Holm, the CTO and co-founder of Nitric. Tim, thank you for being on Modern Digital Business. Thanks for having me, Lee.
1: Thanks for listening to the Modern Digital Business Podcast hosted by Lee Acheson. Know a fellow technology leader and innovator struggling to make their
0: business transition to a digital one? Encourage them to head to mdb.fm forward slash listen to subscribe to this podcast. Or visit leeacheson.com
1: to learn more about Lee and his team.
0: thousand of your peers have in common? They've all boosted their skill set and career prospects by taking one of my online courses. Go to mdb.fm slash courses. Join your 100,000 close friends and peers and expand your knowledge and expertise only at Atchison Academy.